What's up, guys? Welcome back, I-90 Sports Nation. Welcome back, Bears fans. Welcome back, Patriot fans. And uh, everybody in between, from Boston to Chicago and back. Um, to episode 10. Banging them out, man. Banging them out fast. Now, Absolutely. Wow. I want to... Uh, I want to just kind of let's just jump right into this, man. So the Bears and the Browns played. I had a feeling that that like that Browns defense is good. Yeah. And I was wondering like if if Justin Fields had had played like if, if the Bears put up a good game against against the 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 Browns defense and the front seven and it was a competitive game, I think that would have said a lot about 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 field you know fields and the 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 ceiling but watching that game and and you know just what just seeing the out I will give Justin Fields this he didn't quit no from pillar to, from pillar to post from first to last whistle the kid never quit he was still still trying given 110 percent all the way so I will I just I feel bad for him. JD, I want to, I'm going to let you just, I'll let you take it away, man. Like just give me your, your like initial, like you're just your thoughts on the game. <laughs> and before I even ask you any questions, I just want to hear from you, man. What, like, what, what do you think? I have a lot to say. <laughs> I, have, I have a lot to say about that game. That was quite the game. Let's, I mean, let's just start from the beginning. Let's start from the very beginning, all right? So the first quarter, let's just break it down bit by bit by bit. So the very first quarter, first drive of the game. Uh, by the way, by the way, actually, let's start with this, actually. The defense, my God, my God, what a, what a performance by the Bears' defense. My God, that was like unbelievable. That should have been, that should have been 60 to, to 2. That should have been, or 60 to three. It should have been 60 to three. Unbelievable defense. It was ridiculous. Roquan Smith, you talk about never giving up. Roquan Smith was a beast the entire game. So uh, he was the only reason why it was is it was low as, it was only in the 20s. Keep in mind, for the Browns, had the ball 80% of the time, pretty much. It was like 70s to 80% of the time. It was unbelievable amount of time of possession. Uh, and they only got like 20-something points. So unbelievable job by this defense. They were gassed in the fourth. Just ridiculous. But let's talk about the first drive. The first drive was actually pretty good with Justin Fields. Um, there was a lot of runs. There was a commitment to David Montgomery. David Montgomery you looked like, okay, this looks like old Bears, you know, hike, get the ball to the running back, you know, everybody block. And uh, that was good. It was good to see. Um, we got to, I think, the, like the 38. You know, he threw a, a nice pass to the – might have been a different drive. Either way, we got to the 38, kicked a field goal, um, up three points. It was a nice start. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields got some confidence. Uh, and then um, you just see on Twitter, like I remember I was doing a, a reaction for a little while um, before it got ugly. And uh, <clears throat> the reaction on Twitter was just so like telling of how impatient Chicago fans are. I, like I don't know who's worth uh, worse, us or Philly fans. Like we are just terrible. Uh, they're just like, throw it down the field, throw it down the field. Okay, and I don't know if Matt Nagy heard them, but he felt the exact same way. So he's like, all right, screw the running game. I'm done with that. I'm done with the running game. Full commitment to Justin Fields throwing it to 30, 40 yards every single time. He dropped back. 
it was literally both sides just sandwiched him every single time. It was the most ridiculous. The we talked about it in every podcast so far. The exterior Chicago Bears line. I'm gonna I'm gonna list these guys off because they're all bad. Because they they like mixed, you know, they threw them all in. They all suck. Oh my god. James Daniels, you are terrible. I've said this for like a, a while now. I don't remember how many years. Tevin Jenkins, you suck. Elijah Wilkinson, you suck. Jermaine Ephedite, get better. You you might be good someday, but right now you're kind of bad. Scrap those guys potentially. <laughs> uh, Cody Whitehair, I you know he's always been pretty good, but he's always been like a B, you know whatever. Sam Mustafar, I can't tell if you suck because everybody else on the outside was so bad that I I just can't tell. Um, Matt Nagy sucks because he keeps trying to get make Justin Fields. Okay. This is my assessment of Justin Fields. I'm done talking about the offensive line. I'm not even going to talk about it. Everyone knows how bad they were. Unbelievably bad. This is what I was going to say about Justin Fields, and I'll give it to you guys. Justin Fields, we understand why Matt Nagy wanted to put Andy Dalton in because Justin Fields, his initial decision-making is a little bit slow. Maybe that's why scouts were like, uh, I don't know. So like when he gets that drop-back pass – he looks he, he he gets first read, second read, third read, and he can't choose sometimes between those two. And that you know what? That's something you could fix. A lot of guys have that problem when they first enter that's that's a very fixable problem. Like I think well, he, Goff had that what was that well the one thing I saw, I don't even think he was able to get to a read and a half. Like, exactly. Half I'm, lo- I'm looking in the backfield, it was the same thing I saw with Mac Jones, <laughs> and I'm just seeing just defenders one one thousand and a half defender in the backfield. And exactly. then no matter how good your quarterback is, if they keep getting hit and they see, keep seeing guys come around their back end, you lose they're confidence. gonna be gun shy. They're gonna be gun shy. They're gonna go for the easy passes and then you stop getting yardage. You know, well it's I think just- another major factor is this is his first game starting. So the the obviously yep. the decision making in the re this is his first real like Welcome to the NFL kid moment. You know what I mean? Like this is this is game speed. This is game speed. Either zero percent of the blame. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely tough to blame Fields for a lot because it like a like imagine just being dumped like that dumped on you and like get used to the game speed kid because here it comes. No time. And not only that, not only that, you got to face a front like the Browns have. That's not like the Jets front seven. It's the you know, it's a formidable Bonnie and Garrett. You have why like you eight Wa- people. <laughs> yeah, why do you think Washington's been so successful this year? I said from the beginning they are going to be a dark horse because they got that defensive line that can set up the offense to be successful. If yeah. you keep getting rushed from all sides, your quarterback is just going to keep losing confidence throughout the rest of the game. No, yeah, it's no question about it. Yeah, it's in. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, you know what? Nagy was – here's the thing. I will, I'll say it right now. I was wrong. I was wrong. All the Bears fans are wrong. I do think Nagy's approaching this wrong. I didn't see any bootlegs. I didn't see any rollouts. I didn't see any things to protect the quarterback. So you have a shitty O-line, but you don't want to protect him. So that Nagy is going to take a, a giant L on. But what he won't take an L on is he could say, I told you so, that Fields wasn't ready. He could say that. He could say, all right, guys, he wasn't ready with the decision-making. Uh, because here's the thing: if Foles was in, yeah, he would have got his ass kicked. Still, but we probably it would probably would have been like 16 to, you know what I mean? We probably would have got a few more like hike throw because that's that was Fields' problem. Hike, 
he had a few moments where he could have thrown. He just could not make a decision. But like you said, at least half of the time it was just hike dead. Like it, that, and that's that. Like you said, you're going to lose confidence. You're going to be scared to hike the ball at that point. So that's all I really have to say. That's about why it. I don't. That's why I I don't put like. That's why I don't put like a lot of this blame, if any, mm-hmm. on Fields because you threw him in against a front seven like like Cleveland's for his first game, and it's basically that. Let's be a lot of these these rookie quarterbacks. Um, a lot of these rookie quarterbacks, like it's a trial by by you know, like it, they get thrown into they have that trial by fire moment, and it's it's not exactly easy on them, you know. Yeah, it's not get, exactly an easy moment. I mean, it, it, the, the, that, that like that like transition into the NFL it usually is is timed and prepared to where they're facing some team that's not you know that's not you know a second level playoff team like the Brown, like the browns are you know you know what right. i mean like it afc uh, title contenders yeah exactly th- that's what i mean you're not facing a second level <laughs> playoff team like the browns like this was not next and, week we have like, the lions me and you jd have said this before if in ross w- we know from from the from watching the patriot game if your o line is not up it is not if you have a bad O line and a nervous quarterback and a rookie quarterback, that is a recipe for disaster. It was the worst O line game since 2005. I think somebody said statistically in some yeah, measurements. This is the only reason I give Justin Fields a pass on this because number one, your play calling wasn't exactly slated to his strengths. Number one, number two, is we had a situation where. You have a rookie quarterback put into a situation you didn't want to put him in. This is why that the Red Rocket was in town for you. He was there to play those tough games, and then we're going to put Justin Fields in for those good games that's going to give him confidence going into the 2022 season. What, what happened when he got injured, all those plans went up in smoke. You know, it, it It's like a mirror to what happened in New England. I mean, Cam yeah. Newton was – Supposed to stick around for those tough games. Once Mac won the job, it was going to be a dual quarterback situation. And now with Cam being gone, all we have in the back backup is Brian Hoyer. <laughs> like we're 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 both in kind of that tough situation where we don't have much of a choice. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah, no doubt. So I kind of want to feed you. I want to feed you guys some questions and just get your get your um, opinions and thoughts on them. So we already talked about one of them that, you know, Justin Fields as the QB one and, you know, the thoughts that, you know, thoughts on him. And I think we can all agree that the, the potential's there. I think there, there is potential to work with there. You just got to put him in a, in a position to succeed. <laughs> there was this one throw. It was towards the end of the game. I don't remember exactly the time, but it was dropped. Uh, I think it was – it might have been Mooney or it could have been – I don't remember who it was. Either way, there was a double coverage. Guys right in front of him. Fields threw it like right into this needle, and I was like, dude, that was one of the most accurate throws. Like that was like a yeah, – threaded yeah. the needle, right? <laughs> I was like, dude, if you can just do that every week, this old line eventually – it'll get better someday. You know what? If we spend the next three seasons just – investing in all like just every draft pick offensive line and cornerback i don't even care man anymore because we got we have everything else great great uh what do you call it linebackers yeah anyway yeah. i'll let you get back to your questions but man this game i have 
too many things to say. <laughs> All right. So the next one, next question, or next kind of topic I want to hit on, JD. They <laughs> they the Bears. If they want Justin Fields to be successful, they have to stick with the run. They cannot abandon it. They have to stick with David Montgomery. That has to be that has to be I agree. I don't want to say run first, but they have to be a balanced offense. Jason Peters is like terrible at pass blocking, but he could potentially be good at run blocking. I mean, I mean they 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 did have something going early on. So I agree with you 100%. That's just to to me the best the best case scenario for them is they have the run game will open things up for Fields and make the fields you know it'll spread the field out a little bit for him and not make it so condensed and hard to read you know because when they when 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 you you know, you run it and you're running it good that's going to creep those linebackers up and it's going to give Justin Fields some more window you know bigger windows to throw in so he doesn't always have to thread the needle to every receiver he can you know yeah. he can drop some of these he can drop some of these touch passes into some of these guys you know you know hit some of these guys in stride and let them do their thing you know let them do their thing because he's in a, he can be an accurate thrower so to he me is. i think my first point would be that they 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 can't abandon the run <laughs> i agree and also i would i would to add to that i would say now it's fields. We're all in, dude. It's fields to the moon. Like that's it. Like you know, well, there's no going back now. There's no going to Nick Foles. There's no. We know what he is now. We know what his weaknesses are and his strengths. Just let him develop now. Just let him. We're gonna lose, okay? Hey, we might only win five games this season, okay? All right, we might not win next week against the Lions. I'm willing to swallow that pill because Fields is gonna grow from this. And he's gonna learn. So I, I'm okay with all of that. And also, if we fire Matt, Matt, you know what this is. I'm willing to say it now. Matt Nagy is officially not only is he on the hot seat, that seat is is cooking. It's cooking now. <laughs> you better start. You better cool it off real fast because you better figure out a way to mask your horrible offensive line. Also, you know who else is on the hot seat? Ryan Pace has got to be on the hot seat. You've had this bad offensive line problem since before Trubisky. What's weird is they or, were or at least mask if, I had to, if I had to put a if I had to put a year on it, Jetty, I think at least four years you guys have not had a good old line. Since Kyle well, Long got hurt, the line has gotten worse every year. Every year it's gotten worse. It was good here's one my, year. Yeah. Here's my complaint at the draft. If you take a number one QB, you grab Lyman in the rest of the draft. If yes. you've been struggling, you set him up for success, and then you get he starts getting comfortable with that fresh new O line. Start making those acquisitions and support that that franchise quarterback that you just picked up. And yeah, they don't seem to think long into the future, which bugs me because the Bears are falling into that Cincinnati problem where they'll always get a great quarterback, but it's like the joke of the NFL, like the Jets. They well, look never... at look at what the Giants are going through, Ross. They picked their quarterback at the sixth overall pick and never protected him with the O line. Thank you. Thank you. I have a scolding hot take. And I don't let's, I don't know if I want to get for it. Yeah. Why don't we finish other things? But I, I need to all right. Share this. So so let's stick with the let's stick with the offense. All right. Yeah. So here's I wanna feed you another another uh I want to give you get your thoughts on another another topic here, JD. Um 
The second probably most important thing for me is, is your, once again, your, your center played very well, but the tackle positions for you, I mean, every, it seemed like every time fields was getting hit, it was from around the, it was either from the tackle or around the end. Every time, every, everything came off the edge and they, the bears could just, they could not stop it. Even when they chipped, even when they left a tight end to chip and then, and then go out in a row, it would still, it still didn't matter. Like they, that's, that's a big issue because if that throws a quarterback's timing off and, and especially for fields, like the NFL is based on timing, man. It's, it's, you got to hit the, you know, you got to, you got to hit. Sometimes you got to throw to a spot and it's got to be a timing spot. And if fields isn't getting the time, it's, it's, it's not going to be good for him. They, they, those tackles have got to step up. You know what last week, was it was a horn a giant horn yelling to the nfl hey everyone this is our weakness attack it every single week the rest of the year and where they're going to they're just it's going to be edges they're gonna they're announcing their problems to everyone jason peters um, cleveland just gave gave the rest of the nfl a game plan to beat justin fields that's that's what happened here and it's very similar to what happened to tampa this weekend with the Cowboys showed a schematic on how to beat Tom Brady. Rush him, make him question his throws. And again, even with Tom Brady struggling, he still scored 24 points. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking that off the board. But here's the thing. To beat good teams, and you could be potentially a good team, the problem is is that everyone knows what your weakness is. And until they address that, you're going to struggle. You know, who's, you know who's the first person to show that weakness? Michael Strahan. <laughs> Again, but no quarterback is going to be successful yeah, exactly. with just constant, constantly getting hit. It's impossible. Tom, Tom Brady no. doesn't like getting hit. You know? I would goal. like to give a compliment out to David Montgomery, though. Oh, yeah. His his blitz protection pickup was phenomenal in that game. Yep. Yep. I counted three. I counted three times where he hit a blitzing linebacker, and gave Fields an extra half second to either to either try and make something happen or or at least get rid of it and not get killed. He's better than Peters. Better mm-hmm. blocker than Peters. I guess. May, may, may I touch upon on one of John Larson's comments in the chat? He's uh, at uh, let's see, uh, John Larson for four thirteen p.m. Okay. We touch on that really quickly. Okay, let's let's be frank, guys. The last two seasons, and I'm going to keep it real short. These have been two rebuild seasons. Let's be honest. We have no chemistry just yet. We have a brand new quarterback, and we lost Cam Newton, our backup quarterback, to whatever reason. So right now, we have to understand Tom Brady's going to come here and here and beat us. Let's just be honest. They have they're a stacked team. With chemistry. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, with time under their belt. Let's give the kid time to develop and the team to develop along this rebuild. This is not going to be a fun season. We're going to go into more detail on it, but let's not completely down Bill Belichick and everything else because we do not have the talent these other teams in the NFL have. Let's keep the faith going into 2022. All right, JD. So let's. I, I, I 100% agree, Russ. I, I agree. Absolutely. Um, let's swap over to defense now on the defensive side of the football. And uh, Please. initially, what? so you 
I want to get your initial thoughts on the D and you, you had said at the beginning that you thought it was very, they played very, very well. Yes. Oh uh, yes. The defense, they played amazing. Uh, They really did. I mean, my gosh, every time Odell Beckham caught a pass, it was just like two or three people on him and, Mm -hmm. or, or the guy like was just in his, his grill, like about to choke him. It was just like, it was all, I, I loved it. No, the secondary, has clearly like week two and week three, week one secondary, they literally just like put in a ball and threw it in the trash. It was they look totally different now. They're swarming. They look great. Um, th- these guys are great receivers. Uh, Peoples Jones and Odell Beckham Juniors. Good uh, Peoples Jones is good, and Odell Beckham Junior is one of the best receivers in the league, obviously. And then you got uh, what's his name, um, the tight end Joku. Yeah, and, Joe, yeah David and, and Jackson was was a was was great. He was in his grill. Uh, Roquan Smith was amazing. The only guy who got Roquan Smith, and you could tell he got him a few times, was uh, um, Hunt, uh, Kareem Hunt. Oh, he had a game, man. He had a game. But but besides that guy, and you know, here's the thing though, he got him the first like three quarters, but then eventually you just keep attacking. The time of possession the Browns had was just unbelievable. It, yep, yep, unbelievable. And then, so, and then a quick can thing: I, Can I ask you something? Oh, what about on. the Mario Edwards return, JD? How about how about that? What did that mean to the defense? I mean, oh. it's, uh, it's it was great. I mean, it was just well. Wait, wait, Mario Edwards return. Am I thinking of something else? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the tight the defensive end. I forgot his the name. DN, your DN. Yeah. No, that know. was yeah, that was amazing because it was you put pressure and and uh like it's just one of those things like you gave him better field positions. It's unfortunate we don't do anything with it. That's the thing. It's like I think was it the one where we got a field goal? I don't even remember. We had like eight three and outs. It was just terrible. So uh I don't remember which one was the field goal. That might have been where where we got the field goal. But oh. obviously we couldn't capitalize on it. Um it's just unfortunate uh, that, yeah, the defense played such a great game. I mean, honestly, if we would have scored just even one more touchdown, that would have kept them off the field long enough. It would have been like a completely different game. It would have been like 13 to 16 at that point. Very, so, Very good point. Yep. Yeah. Now, now let me say this too. Uh, yep, the, the league average for points across the league is 24 points, and the Browns only scored 26. So just to put it into perspective, with all that the league average across the you know across the NFL, it the average is twenty four points per game. So, I mean, to me, from what I saw, that 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 Chicago defense held the Browns down as much as they could for as long as they could. The levies just broke in the fourth quarter, and they were just they had nothing left. Tired. They exhausted. Exhausted. Can I can I add on to that? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go, go for it, Ross. Okay, so. Me and you, Bobby, the one thing we tend to harp on a lot is time of possession. Time of possession. So the problem is the longer your defense is on the field, the quicker they get gassed out. We can use a number of examples, but we're not going to take 20 minutes on this topic. But when your team gets half the time of possession of any other team, you're you're not going to do much. You had 20 minutes of offense versus 40 minutes of offense by the Cleveland Browns. And then last but not least, even then, the Cleveland Browns had 98 yards worth of penalties. You couldn't capitalize on that. Sacks allowed five, two punts. I mean, you know, 
it's like nine versus five sacks. That's a big thing. You Two. can't leave your defense on the field that long. You're going to turn into the Falcons of yesteryear in the Super Bowl. You can't exactly. do it because <laughs> once you get to that point, they're missing spots on routes. They're letting guys like Kamara, like for us, our example, getting open. And then all of a sudden you see Baker Mayfield playing one of his best games of the season because your whole defense is gassed. You can't do it. You can't do it. He yeah, and he looked like crap for the first couple couple quarters. Baker did, and then once they got tired, he was just like, "Oh hey, wide open guys." So exactly, that's that's exactly what happened. And uh, I have a scolding hot take as it pertains to the defense, and I'll get to uh, I mean, oh, it's real quick. Go for it, brother. We're All right. we're, we're winding it down. Go, go when go for it. Khalil Mack. Yeah, this is this is my last like Bears thing. When Khalil Mack went down, he was hurt for about. 12 plays, maybe less, maybe nine plays. I don't remember. He was hurt. He went to the tent, went to the locker room. I think they taped him up, and I gave him something for his pain, and he was back on the field shortly after. But during that time, there was zero, zero problems on the field. I'm not – I love Khalil Mack. He's a great pass rusher and everything like that. But right now, I would trade him for a top-five offensive lineman. I would trade him in a first-round pick. I would trade – because we need – that's so bad. We need an offensive tackle so bad. Anyway, that's my take is I would trade Khalil Mack. Because Roquan Smith, he's got that middle of the field, man. He doesn't need Mack. He's, I'll, I'll give you this about Roquan Smith that I underestimated, and I think I said this before on a previous previous um, podcast we did, J.D. He's quick. He's really fast. quick. One of the fastest in the league. So fast. He's great in coverage, and he's great in the run game. He's amazing. One of the and best. he's – the, the 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 one of the things that you really want to see in a linebacker is lateral movement how how fast can he get down the line from you know from how fast can he go sideline to sideline and chase a guy, you, know, you know you know what i'm talking about that lateral movement from linebackers is a is a serious underestimated um skill set that they have and he dude he can fly from sideline to sideline that's a great thing to see. He's the yep. true replacement to, to this guy because that's that's what he would do. It's Mac is not that replacement. He's a pass rusher and he's a great pass rusher. But I would trade him for an, for if we could get like a David Bakhtiari, which we never could. Uh, <laughs> not Trent Williams. He's too old. But one of these maybe one of these tackles from uh, from the Saints. They have a couple good ones. I'm just saying I would trade for them if we could or. Otherwise, like, you and said, he would like be worth. He would be worth a top five offensive lineman. He would. He would be worth it. I'd keep him too. I'm not like you know. I'm not saying do it, trade him, but I'm saying I would because you could see he's. That's not our strength. Our strength is the coverage and the, yeah, Eddie Jackson and Roquan the, Smith. This, yeah, the the secondary. Yeah, yeah, the pass. Eddie coverage. Jackson. I don't know what he was doing week one. He's he's better now. He was what the. F- <laughs> sometimes they sometimes they just have bad games. Sometimes you just yeah. catch you just All catch you players and have a bad game. Right? Yeah, that's most of. Since so, you've been better, yeah. Ross, yep. I'll start with you, brother. Let's dive into the Patriots and the Saints because I think me and you both got a lot to say, and we got a lot of stuff to just to just get off our freaking chest. Okay, about, I think the- about this game. So what what are what were your <laughs> initial thoughts uh, like after the game ended what was your like first thought okay so let me give you the best point i've seen from the chat that's going to personify what we're complaining about go to can't get right at 4 25 p.m all right 
right there. Thank you. Can't get right. Thank you. Okay. Me and Bobby have been screaming about this since the preseason. Okay. When your play, when your when your play calling is so predictable, so basic, and just ineffective, there's no reason a team can't capitalize on you. I'm sorry. We almost zero percent at one point in the red zone. What are we now, Bobby? Like twenty. We listen, listen. Going into this, going so JD and Rock going into this game, the Patriots were zero percent in the red zone. Zero, zero percent. No red wow. zone touchdowns. Zero, none. Man, I can't even believe that. Yeah, that's unreal. So, my my problem is is that McDaniel's has not shown that it, he is an NFL level coordinator in the last three games, and in my opinion, not even in the preseason. We have talent we've spent millions of dollars on that we're not using. Can't get right made that point and then other gentlemen throughout the chat john larson you know josh is overrated josh has been shown to be lacking when he doesn't have a quarterback on the field that can command the offense for him let's just let's put it out there who who runs the ball twice in a row same play in the red zone and expects a different result zero yards and then negative seven yards we're having negative yardage in the red zone there is no excuse there is none. I know, Bobby, you want to touch on this a little bit, but that's my point for that 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 point right there. Well, I think not only not only us, but a lot a lot of Pat's Nation has been been has been pointing out the fact that there have been head scratching plays from Josh McDaniels all over the field and all over the game, all throughout the game. The play calling in the red zone has just been has been it's been bad like the, the the two runs with bolden like were a microcosm of like mcdaniel's play calling and then so he'll he'll do those two runs to bolden and then he'll like he'll throw some like some like really low percentage like like you know deep poster like some some low percentage throw or the, the most head scratching ones are like a bubble screen on third and 16 you know what I mean? Like, like a bubble screen on third and 16. Yeah, no doubt. Yep. <laughs> I, I see that a lot. And it's like that used to work for like the Steelers back in like 2008, but no. Okay. So a lot of things we talk about generally is setting up plays. You know, we, we set up our players for success. You know, that's, 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 that's McDaniel's job. You set up the game plan. You create a way to allow your team to have the best chance for success. All right? I don't see him doing that. I don't see it. You know what I'm saying? I am not seeing a game plan that's formulated around the run. And then once the run opens things up, we go to the pass. We're not seeing outlets for Mac Jones in case of emergency. We're not seeing running backs who are our most talented players making, making it out to the flats and just making a play. We... This looks so basic. It looks like D one a D three college ball. And I don't even think it's that creative. I'm sorry, but this was one of the worst call games I think I've seen in a long time by the Patriots. Just, just anybody go back and look at the film. Was anything set up 
based on play action, passes to the running backs, using the tight ends during the whole middle of the field was open. They had no respect for our receiving core. They had none. And you're going to tell me that you want to put blame on Belichick or the players? That game plan was terrible by Josh McDaniels. Thank you. It it was it was look we've and I think I don't think it's just me and you Ross I think it's a lot of Pat's Nation and I I kind of been looking on Twitter to to I've been looking on Twitter been looking on some of the the you know been looking on the Facebook groups you know reading a couple and I I feel like a lot of Pat's Nation is is seriously calling into question Josh McDaniel's ability to call a good game now. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and then can't get it right again. It's a training camp offense. This is not an NFL-ready team. It does not look that way. There is a disconnect between play calling and players. Like, like let's let's be honest, right? What what are the a bubble screen on third and like twelve? That's <laughs> that's not. But like like let let's be honest, right? That's not a high percentage. That's not a high percentage play to to get that first. Like like how about dragging a tight end across the middle of the field? Or a cross or a cross route, you know, with a tight end in it and, and a receiver. Something to something to get those DBs to try and bang into each other and, and get a guy open. You know, like th- th- there's just it the lack of creativity coming out of McDaniels has been a serious concern for not just the regular season. We've seen it all the way back into game two of the game two of the preseason. It it was it, it was concerning. And it's not like it's become a pattern now. Once once something happens more more than twice, it's it's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Like, and let's go to you, JD. Hey, did you get a chance to watch the uh, the tape from YouTube? The quick uh, yeah, lights? yeah. I've been watching it uh, actually up and down, and yeah. What what I would say is that like it's an out it's an outside perspective, but I would say that that there's a high well. The, uh, to respond to your take, actually, um, uh, Ross, when you were talking about the receivers not commanding respect, without Tom Brady, I mean, the receivers barely commanded respect with Tom Brady. Like, let's be oh, real. They yep. barely commanded respect. I mean, yeah, you got Nelson Aguilar. He's, he's you know, he's an upgrade of what they used to have, where they had before, like, some random guy off the, uh, that worked at Walmart. So, like, I get that, you know, that's definitely an upgrade. That's how Bill Belichick was. He's like, all right, well, I have Tom Brady, so I'm going to use a guy from that works at Walmart. So that's just kind of what he does. But my other question, uh, and then I'll get into coaching really quick, but my other question would be is these tight ends that you spend all this money on, are they as good? Like maybe they're not as good as nope. maybe they're not working nope. out. Like, and that's another okay. thing. No, I, I was waiting for you to say that. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. When we have gone to our tight ends, okay, Hunter Henry, we'll use him as the first example. He has five receptions, 36 yards, 7.4 yards per catch. Okay, so let's put it that way. Two of those, you got a first down. Right. They only only targeted, and they only had on the day, between John O. Smith and Hunter Henry, yet again, six receptions. So JD to put that into perspective, that's right? a game plan problem. To to put that into perspective, Ooh. they are throwing. So they spent they spent eighty seven point five million dollars on the two tight ends, 
And in three games, they have thrown to them. They have thrown to them combined in three games 13 times. But, but they didn't want to commit any money to Tom Brady long term. Well, they didn't have the money. There was no money left. He wanted an extra forty billion. We had like ten million. There, there was no shot. Tom Brady was, wanted yeah. that chance to leave. It, it's just know? that's that fact alone that you spend almost ninety million dollars on those two guys to to act as a massive security blanket for your rookie quarterback. And, and they're throwing to him, <laughs> and they're throwing to them combined six times a game. Ooh. That's not good. That's no. not that's yep. not good enough. It's yep. not. Hey, can you bring up cool, cool, genuine Phil's comment from four thirty four? What a great throw from Fields to sixteen there. Yep, and it's the last comment. It's the most recent. Oof! What a bad interception. So, yeah, like, I can't deny that, Phil. The only problem I have with with on on the Juno front is the fact that by the time they started actually using Janu, like Mac Jones got hit like five to six times. So, so gonna that, that's going to be a perfect segue into the next thing, right? Yep. Thank you, Mac. Mac, that's going to be a perfect segue into the, into what we're going to get into next, right? We're going to talk about Mac Jones and his day, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've seen, I've read a lot of articles. I've seen even a lot of the Patriots beat guys are saying it that the All 22 came out for Mac Jones and it was good. It was mm-hmm. good. Everyone who watched the All 22, everyone who matters that watched the All 22 said that most, most of Mac Jones's decisions that day. We're good. And under pressure, he was great. Making making the throws that he needed to under pressure, he was very good. The All-22 showed that this was not Mac Jones's fault. Now, me and Ross have kind of talked off camera, and I think me personally, and just as this is just my general knowledge, you know, my knowledge of the game, coaching it and playing it. I think Mac Jones had those four four overthrows, four or five overthrows, because the offensive line, being as porous as it was, <laughs> threw his timing off. You can't throw a deep ball if you have under two seconds for it. You know, if you don't have two seconds for the deep route to develop, and I think he was having to throw those deep routes sooner than he sooner than he wanted to. So basically he's got a so basically he has to launch a football down the field and guess where he thinks his receiver is going to be before he gets absolutely crushed. And that's a good defense. It's a very good de- one of the best, probably top 5. So yep. um, it's hard. Well, so Ross would you care to elaborate on that? So here's my problem. We couldn't establish the running game, which is one of our Achilles heels. I understand that. We have a very talented running back core. If you can't get him started in the running game, but they didn't use him in the passing game either. Like, let's go, let's take a look at these stats. Remember the biggest shocking stat we saw from the Patriots game? Mac Jones was our best rushing person. He was the leading rusher. Mac Jones was the leading rusher in that game. That's a problem. That's 28 yards 
and he had 4.7 yards per carry. Six carries, 4.7 yard average. Okay, we go to Damian Harris, 2.3. We go to James White, 6.0 before he got pushed out of the game because a poorly called play put him on his back, and he got to get carted off the field. The problem is any designed run that was used in that game was not blocked correctly and was not set up correctly. I'm sorry, but when you saw a run come on field, you knew exactly what was happening. Oh, Damian Harris is on the field. They're going to run the football. That worked with Tom Brady. (laughs) Yep. And we don't have Cam to show the option of the RPO and show any kind of creativity. So right now, we're running the most basic offense I think we've ever seen out of the Patriots. Cam Newton's offense at least showed dynamics. In this, it's just predictable. And I know Mac is a better down-the-field quarterback, but look at look at what's happening. Their line is porous. We couldn't establish the run. We couldn't set up pass protection. And then last but not least is anytime we tried to use the running backs off the edge, they couldn't set the edge. Like, we couldn't run sweeps. It was all a passing game, and you see what the results are. I feel it. No, it's it, it, with that. It's like you got a young quarterback who's who has some promise, but then when you have this kind of, I, I would say that McDaniel's, he might be like, he might need to recalibrate how he approaches this this uh, position. He's so used to Tom Brady, and then before that, what was it, Tim Tebow and Kyle Orton? I mean, th- these guys are a lot older. Like this is a younger guy. You got. You gotta change it up. Yeah. And here's another thing that's a glaring problem to me. If you look at a receiving section, okay, if you have some of the most talented running backs in the NFL, look at our two best running backs that didn't get used whatsoever. James White, zero across the board. No receptions, no yards, no average, zero touchdowns. Damian Harris. Two receptions, negative three yards, 1.5, negative 1.5 average. They're throwing to him in the flats and expecting him to make a play. That's what they did to him. Like, yeah, where are the wheel routes and stuff in the middle of the field? You know, please, there's little. There's just no, there, there's no, like, Jones is not getting any help from, like, anywhere. From his offensive line, from his coordinator, from, from anywhere. And the, the, I mean, let's be honest, a, a, a versatile back like James White, losing him to who knows how serious that injury is. We're still kind of waiting on the MRI. Um, But if that's like serious, serious, and he's gone for weeks on end, that's not good because that means we don't have a pass catching. That means we don't have a pass catching back. But we like do. A true, that's, third, that's a, a, true, a true third down back. Looks like the same injury as uh, Andy Dalton. Yep. And here's the other thing. Because we've not used them in the passing game whatsoever. Not at all. How are you going to establish a guy if he can pass in the backfield, take passes in the center of the field or in strafing routes as a running back if he don't run the plays? Look at the thing that killed us. You know, Kamara, he was, like, again, they used him in the passing game. They Mm -hmm. used him. Let's take a look at Kamara. All right, Alvin Kamara, 3.7 yards per carry. But look at this. Kamara, 
in passing yards. Three reception, 29 yards, but he was averaging 9.7 yards every catch. Yeah. If you added that to all of our running backs and how talented our running back core was, it would have been a different ballgame. Yeah, I mean, like 20-plus points on, on Use the weapons too. you paid for. My God, just use them. <laughs> you have to. You absolutely have to. Otherwise, you look foolish. Otherwise, it's a waste. Why would you – so in we I went I, I went and did my own kind of calculations on this, right? So on the offense this year, they've they've spent over a, almost a hundred and three million dollars on the offense alone to bolster it up and give Mac Jones help and weapons to work with, right? Yep. A hundred and three million dollars. Does this look does this offense look like we spent a hundred and three million dollars on it? Not even close. But let's put one thing in perspective here. Everyone's mad about them scoring these touchdowns and whatever. We held Alvin Kamara to only 89 yards and yeah. 3.7 yards per carry for 24 carries. So, 24. so let's let's kind of segue into the defense on that on that Thank note, you. right? Right. Yep. So offensive. So offensive kind of major points are that. The all twenty-two proved that proved that um the all twenty-two proved that Max still the potential still there. He's still a good a good solid quarterback and he can perform. The all twenty-two did show that, and it also it also put into like it, it glaring glaringly showed that the O line has a massive problem and the the bland play calling is 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 hurting this team. Mm-hmm. JD, what, what do you want? You want to make a comment on this? You, you want, want to add anything to that? Sure. Uh, I would just say that um, they they look they looked pretty good. I mean, this is a good team. I think that you're right, though. I think that they they could be more creative. Uh, all three games, I feel like they were like as you said, you were there personally, and you thought it was bland. It was held back. Um, that they should kind of just just roll with it, man. Because here's the thing: what are they one and two now? They're yeah. one and two. It's not good. It's not good. You better start. You better start throwing it deep. You better start getting risky. Uh, and also, like you said, um, use your tight ends. You spent the money on them. Use as much. Use them as much as possible. There's got to be plenty of plays where you can get them featured. And Mac Jones is accurate enough to get them involved. So I honestly, I, I that's that boggles my mind why they why they haven't gotten them more involved. Like you just told me they they only have what was it sixty yards between both of them. 13 catches for the tight ends in three games. What is that? Come on. You get at in least three games. Five. You double yep. that. You got to double those. You got to get those numbers up. You got to pump those numbers. They so. should have that. They they should have 13. They should have 13 catches each every game, <laughs> you know, combined between the two of them every game. No, I agree. Well, I don't see why not. Let's pull, pull some things into perspective right now. We beat them in every statistical category uh, other than rushing yards. It total yards, passing yards, and yards per play. That's interesting. The problem is we drove down the field four on four separate occasions and came up with nothing. Nothing. There was four separate occasions that we should have scored a touchdown, and we did not. That's 28 points we left on the board. I think one time we actually did score. But that's not, that's not a good average. We're leaving points on the board every time. Look at this. We had 16 first downs. 
We had a third down efficiency, which was atrocious, but we were two for three for fourth down efficiency. This is yeah. a team that doesn't know itself. So what record would have you guys raise the white flag like on Josh McDaniels or Belichick? With okay, or actually how not, many not, years? Not Bill. This isn't Bill. This is this is Josh. This is Josh not I don't know if it's not wanting or but it's Josh it, it, it's this not is trusting. the third game in a row JD where more than 50% of the reason they lost can be put on Josh McDaniels. Well, that's a big yep. deal. And, I mean, you could probably – Bill Belichick knows a lot of people. You could probably find somebody to replace Bill. Uh, is that something you guys would consider? Like, if you were – let's say you're six and five, six and five in a couple of weeks. Are you still wanting to to get your pitchforks for Josh McDaniels or or you think that it's just kind of like the it was a tough game? I readjust. Sorry, go go ahead, Russ. Go first. Go first. You sure? I was going to let you hit first. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's the problem. Josh McDaniels has shown through through two seasons, two seasons now, that he can't adapt to this NFL. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a new young quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. But there's nothing I've seen on field that McDaniels has put his team in a position to win. I'm sorry. I understand you're nervous about your team. They're banged up. You're putting bubble wrap again around certain players, but we lost. We should be three. We should be three and zero right now. We should be three and zero. I'm sorry, but what I'm looking at is is a team that's afraid to use their weapons, can't get in the red, can't score in the red zone, and last but not least, their play calling is so boring and so bland that most of our plays get shut down before they start. So we're expecting young players. Harris, Mac Jones, uh, Ramondre Stevenson to make these big plays. They don't even barely have a year in the NFL. That's the expectation going on. We are not putting them in positions to win. And I think can't get right at 446 saying NFL roads red zone hates the Patriots. It's also everyone uh, hates the Patriots. We dominated this league for 20 years. Everyone hates the Patriots. Welcome to New England. Yeah, no, no. The red zone hates us, as if we can't score there. You know, everything stems off the fact that we can't make points happen. So defenses are being a lot more lax. They're going to send the whole team because they know one thing. If we pressure Mac, it's going to go our way. Well, that's because Josh McDaniels puckers up tighter than a tick's ass when they get in the red zone. (laughs) It's, it is JD. It's infuriating, right? They'll have a great drive. Like they'll, they'll, they'll have a great drive, but as soon as they cross the 25, it, it just stalls. Something happens and it just stalls. I wonder what that is. I mean, maybe, maybe he really was (laughs) crutched by the Tom Brady's insane, uh, red zone accuracy. And I don't know because Mac is an accurate guy. He he, he, he can make the throws. So I don't I don't know why you would like why don't you just call the same plays? Like just call the same type of plays in the red zone like that you would call if you had Gronk. Like and hey, see JD, if these guys can do it. What's up? Take a look at cool, cool genuine Phil at four forty seven. Three and out multiple times is not gonna cut cut it to start a game. Like it was just like with Justin Fields. When the play got Paul call, calling got boring. They got shut down. Yeah. You know, 
for us, you can't go three and out because you're tiring out your defense. You're setting yourself behind the ball right you from are. the beginning. So, exactly so right. let's tra- let's transition over now to the defensive side of the football. Okay. Thank you. Yep. So let's transition over to the defensive side of the ball, where I know the score was twenty. Was the, I know they put up twenty eight points, and I know the score looked ugly, but the defense carried for three and a half quarters in this game. Thank you. They carried, they, they did it just, just like the bears, JD, this game was eerily similar to what, yeah, to what Chicago had be they, right back guys. Eerily similar. They, they, the, the Patriots defense carried this team through halfway through the third quarter. They did everything they possibly could. They had nothing left at the end that just like Chicago's D they, they were just gassed at the end of it they had nothing left and, and they just they, they just couldn't hold they just couldn't hold it they couldn't hold it and when you're when your team isn't capitalizing in the red zone um it's demoralizing you know what i mean it's, it's one of those things where it's like you do all this work on defense to shut them down and you expect your offense to go out there and put up some points and if they don't then eventually you know I, I w- I'm not saying you take it less seriously, but like you definitely get demoralized and that affects your gameplay, I would say. Um, and then down the stretch, you lose the game. And and I think it's I think Ross said they were just tired. Or no, you said they were just tired at the end they of the game. They were just gassed at the end. What they were just yeah. gassed. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's going to happen. So, so the, the, the second, I will say this too, the second, like the third, the end of the second quarter, and the whole third quarter, they owned. They owned the Saints. They, the mm-hmm. Saints could do anything, right? Yeah, and, oh. Go ahead. And Go. they just they they like like the levees just broke, man. They could only hold for so long. Yeah, and, and again, it was capitalizing on certain things. Like we would get turnovers, we would cause punts to happen, and we could never capitalize not once. Look at Matthew Judon, two and a half sacks. Dietrich Weiss Jr., you know, half a sack. And then the, the the unknown stars of the show, and I know people are not going to listen, but it's fine. Everyone wants to dislike Chase Winovich. But here's the thing. When you have a guy that can get into the backfield and just screw up plays, you don't see it on the stat sheets. You know what I'm saying? You don't see that. You don't see him coming off the edge and forcing a play instead of going off tackle to go off guard or go around the end. There was a lot of reasons that this defense did well. And there's going to be a lot of unsung heroes that people are not going to look at. But our defense held up for most of the game. The offense is the one that completely let down the defense at this point. And I feel like that's a reoccurring theme, too. The D, the D I think, has finally figured some stuff out. The offense has got to be better to help them. Yep. And this is another interesting stat. stat. When you look at the most amount of tackles, okay, so – you know, you got good gotcha. You have Dietrich Wise. That's that that goes for about 16 tackles. But the majority of tackles happened in the backfield. You, you, what we're looking at here is I'm looking at corners, safeties, and everyone else making that final stop. Not the line, not the linebackers. Most of the tackles came from the secondary. So that means they're making up to the second level 
with passes and rushing all the time. It's very interesting because I'm looking at this one, two, over, let's just say 18 tackles are made in the secondary. Not good. It's not good. So that means they're no, they're not. getting to the second level a lot. Probably fifty percent. Probably fifty percent of the time they're into the second level of the defense, and that's not good. But here's the thing: we still contain them. Most of these touchdowns were scored off of turnovers. Yeah. Pick. The pick. pick. The pick six from the pick six from the defense. Yep. And Winston then another couldn't figure it out. Yep. And then what happened was we put ourselves in a losing position. We won. Again, this is just looking from this defense. They held up. Uh, they weren't amazing. They weren't getting like they had like three sacks for the game. Not amazing, but they held. That's all you can expect from a defense going up against a team that is that explosive. That's weak against the run. You know what I'm saying? They had Kamara. Kamara is a solid, solid player, and they could yeah. not. They held them in check as much as we possibly could. The offense let down the defense in that game. Now, one of my initial notes for the Patriots Absolutely. defense, one of my initial notes going into this game was, was we we have got to we have got to make the Saints one dimensional to win this game. We have got to make them one dimensional. We have to pick either one or the other. What what are what are that we going to stop? We have to make them one dimensional. And judging from judging from from just prior prior you know prior knowledge of Jameis Winston, I, I assume they would they would try and stop the run and and just live and die on Winston's ability to to try and beat them through the air, but. I don't I mean Ross they 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 played that Ben don't break defense but at the same time you know when you get spot well, you know your their their defense spots them 7 points because of the pick 6 and then when you when you add in um they, they just they just seem to play that Ben don't break all game and it was yep that like I don't know. It was Ben don't break, but they, they broke a bunch. They, I mean, they, they, I, I don't know. It was, it was, it was incredibly frustrating because at times it seemed like the saints would move the football up and down the field with, with relative ease and no resistance whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I got, I want to add on to yours, but JD, What's your thoughts on what we've been talking about, by the way? I would just say that uh, that they are. I'm I'm just watching it over and over. They are just running, you know, and they kind of they, well. The Saints just they switch up their flow a lot. That's what I noticed about the Saints. They mm-hmm. seem to switch it up, which is very good. You know, Sean Payton's Sean Payton's quite a coach. Um, and I also uh, just one thing that I could add about Mac Jones. I don't think either of those interceptions were really his fault. Both of the receivers could have gotten to that position. They could have like. Mm-hmm. laid out for those balls so i don't put those interceptions on mac at all mm-hmm. um and every time he has an open receiver he hits it so that's that's another really positive thing you know you ask him to do little things if they're not open you're trying to fit into space sometimes it's hard but uh the receivers are just aren't impressive enough for me but as far as the defense goes yeah i mean it's hard to defend a sean payton run offense when it's he, that he's dynamic. done it well for he's done it well for a long time also, Winston is pretty damn good. Like, 
Well, he gets a lot of flack for all the interceptions he threw in, with the Bucks, nope. but he also threw 5,200 yards that year. So he he is he has some talent. You, well, you know what I respect point, about Winston, and it showed. You know what I respect about Winston. Probably, probably one of the more one of the most things I I, I give him a lot of credit for. The kid's got a short memory. He's a gunslinger, and he's got a short memory. He'll go he'll go throw a pick, and then on the next drive, he'll try and make that same. Th- you know, he'll he'll try and throw that same throw because that's like what the, that's what they called. You know, a little he's, farb in him. He he's a he's a gunslinger. Which, which is like, I, I, you got to give him some respect there because he, the short, you got to have a short memory to play quarterback in the league. I think you well, can win a Super Bowl with Winston. I'm just saying. I think you can. So, so uh, to add on to your point, number one, when we start talking about stats and who did their job and whatnot, let's take a look at this. Jameis Winston, gunslinger, as you said, only made 21 attempts on the day to throw the football. That's He's a only had 13. He only had 13 completions. And yardage-wise, only 128 yards with two touchdowns, zero interceptions. But see, that's the kicker, Ross. The two touchdowns is the kicker. 128 yards, but he got two touchdowns out of it. Yeah, you don't need him. He's not not like uber-talented. Like He's not going to just dissect your defense and stuff. I I get that. But he he is talented enough of a down-the-field thrower and he can make enough plays that like you could you could win with that guy. He's he's but, not like he, he reminds me of Jake Cutler a little bit, but he's a little bit different. I don't know. He's just different. Yeah, and also the other perspective here is people going into the game were expecting the defense to get picks. You can't expect the defense to get interceptions. What you do expect from an offense is to get points. So the fact is is that people are blaming the defense for not getting more interceptions during a game, it just shows how basic some of the Pats Nation or even other fan bases are. When you look at this, as well, they had zero interceptions. Like they contained Jameis Winston and Alvin Kamara. They're like Alvin Kamara, only three point seven yards per carry. You don't see that often. He only had twenty four carries. True. That that's a really good point. That that it really was. I mean, the defense. If the defense had more points to work with, maybe it would have been 21. To, you know what I mean? You, you never know what would have happened. So I agree. You got to so, put some points on the board. No, 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 no doubt. No doubt. I have one final question for you guys, Ross, before we kind of wrap up the Pats defense. Yep. Um, where, where in the hell was Dante Hightower in the last two weeks? <laughs> Where the hell was he? His new, you know what? I'm, I'm, I got a new nickname for Dante Hightower, and if he's listening to this broadcast, prove me wrong, guy. Prove me wrong. Your new nickname is going to be Harry Houdini because you dis a fucking peered. He gone. Yeah. Okay. He gone. <laughs> like seriously, where has he been for being such a a cornerstone of this defense? Where has he been since the regular season started? Where where he at? Somebody find him for me because I don't know where the hell he at. Got to page him. Well, you know, yeah, that's... he only had one tackle on the day. <sighs> no hurries that I saw. He's, He's a starting linebacker. The linebacker. He that defense. You know, I just I didn't see him again. He he did not show up on my radar. I mean, if they're not showing up on your radar and they're one of your star players. 
where what's going on. It's a big deal. It really is. Uh, that matters. That's like that's like Khalil Mack making one tackle in a game, one a singular play in a game. That's it, and that's all you hear from him. That that that's a, like players like that that mean something like that mean that much to a franchise. Like yeah, it makes some plays. You, you gotta like like if you're if you're supposedly cornerstone of the defense and a captain, you, you gotta you gotta you know you have to do things to help the team win in big moments. And we just it just seems like I haven't seen him at all in the last two games. Yeah, well, I don't get the contact. Uh, agree exactly with the context. Can't get right um, at 501, 502. Dante Hightower looks washed. He can't just take a whole year off and come back the same. Again, while I don't think he's necessarily washed, I think he absolutely is beyond rusty. He, he looks he games, looks yeah. very, very slow. Very and, slow to react to slow to react to the football. Yeah. Just slow to react. But can't get it right has a good point. It's just he looks rusty. He looks slow. And sometimes, dare I say, looks lost on the football field. You know what I'm saying? In Took a year off Hightower, and enjoyed his money. <laughs> and here's the thing. I have the utmost respect for Hightower for what he's done in the past. But right now, I'm not seeing anything that he should be a captain or a straight leader of this team other than morale. Because from what I'm seeing, I don't notice him on the field. I don't notice, well, was Hightower there? I, I just, that's a big problem. That's a big problem. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, and, oh, and by the way, Bill sent a message in. Um, we are giving Mac Jones a break on this, um, Bill uh, Tortolette. The only problem being, buddy, is that the offensive line was not there that day to support him. It just wasn't there. He had guys that coming at him at all times. Uh, we don't blame Mac Jones. We blame the game plan by Mac um, McDaniel's and that O line. Those two turnovers too. Those those receivers they could have. Honestly, they really could have got those. Receivers are not coming balls. back. Receivers so are not can we, coming can, back. Before yep, we ahead, before we get into our next yeah. topic, can I did did y'all see Justin Tucker's sixty six yard field yes. goal to beat the Lions? Yes, that was stupid. Only the so was there, awesome. it was it was like fourth and nineteen for Detroit. All they had to do was stop them on fourth and nineteen and win the game, and the Lions Lions they gave up the first down. And they got Tucker within what they thought was field goal range, and he doinks one off the crossbar, and it lands behind it. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say something about that really quick. The Ravens, dude, they could be the team of destiny this year. They've lost like it feels like 15 guys to IR or whatever to injuries, and the last two weeks they've won in fantastic fashion. Uh, and that the, the other thing I want to say about the kick. That kick, man, the, what I love about Justin Tucker, dude, Justin Tucker was like, he knew he was going to make that. He like he knew, bro. He literally get out there. You could see like the swag in his step. He's just like, I'm about to kick the dude, fuck out of this thing. Dude. Of this, yeah, he just <laughs> oh walked in. I'm about to kick the ever-living <laughs> shit out of this ball. He knew. He 66 knew. yards. Like just doink right off the crossbar, and then it landed behind it and good. The reaction from Lions fans must have been like, 
Like, how do you like? They are finding new and and hilarious <laughs> ways to lose, like to lose football games. Like, just Good. new and hilarious ways to lose football games. I'm sorry yeah, if you're a Lions yeah. fan, but damn, that sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't a topic. I just like. That was just a crazy ending to a game. Detroit should have won that game. Fourth and 19, and you give up, you give up the first down. Dude, from sin. Dude, that that that, what's his Dan Dan Campbell deserves a sack whack for that. Like, how do you (laughs) how do you how do you do that? How like how Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson, dude, he's you know, Lamar Jackson. He gets a lot of crap because he he does mess up these he, he makes these crappy throws sometimes sometimes these throws that he makes look bad but then for every one of those throws he'll have two or three amazing runs that you're just like all right all right you can have some of these these crappy throws so I uh, you know it is what it is I just thought that was just the ending like that was so like apropos for like like the Lions, the Lions. had. The Lions snatched defeat out of the jaws of victory. Yep. Lions always seem to lose. Yeah, and then uh, I know this is a conversation. This is going to be a good lead-in. Can't get right at 506 when we want to talk about Mac Jones and our tinfoil hat theory about the knee brace. Just keep that that chat in mind when we hit that subject, Bobby, because we have our tinfoil hat theory on that. So – um, why don't we, why don't we just run it? Well, you know what? We'll run on that before. Cause the rest of this stuff is kind of headed away from the Patriots and just general. general okay, general. Yep. Yep. So let's talk about Ross. So let's talk about the Jones, the Jones knee brace. Yep. He, Br- bring up, bring up. Can't get right for five Oh six. And this is actually. How about the knee brace in the matchup next week? You want to do that? Yeah. So, oh my God, the Patriots <laughs> or the the Bucks? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so matchup. So Mac Jones got frustrated about how he was playing, and I believe the third quarter, right, Russ? Mm-hmm. Was it the end of the third? He got pissed at the end of the third quarter and ripped his knee brace off. Took it off. Took mm-hmm. it right off and was like, "The hell with this." Mm-hmm. You want me to start? You want Go me to for start it. on this one? Okay. So Go here's for my it. problem. Since we played the Giants, okay, since we had that preseason game and he got rolled up on, he's been wearing a knee brace for support, for support reasons. The problem is, is ever since that game, Mac Jones hasn't been stepping into throws. We're not seeing the laser-like throws from uh, the preseason that we've seen day in and day out. So his mobility absolutely is down. I will not disagree on that. But also the fact being is when he did run the ball, and this is the funny part, he ran for he rushed for more yards than our running backs, which is an interesting stat category. I'm not saying it's impressive, me. but that's how porous the O line was with him. And that's why he was our leading rusher during the game. So mobility, yes, he's not going to be a quick guy, especially with that knee brace on. But me and me and Bobby have talked in the back a lot about the reason they've done these bland play calls and safe, safe this, safe that, is because they're so worried about Mac Jones's knee 
that they have been trying to bubble him. And you can't do that. You can't. Because now he, he wasn't slinging the ball when he needed to, and he was definitely not stepping into throws. J.D., he physically, he physically took the knee brace and ripped it off. Like, like, phys- like ripped it off and threw it aside and was like, no, no more of this. He's competitive. He's competitive. And you know, you know what that was? It might that hurt, was that was a it's probably worth it. It was worth it. That was a a I don't give a shit about this, whatever yeah. pain I got. We're gonna we're gonna try and win this damn game. That's what that was. That was that was a very good thing to see if you if you're a Patriots fan, in my opinion, because that means he doesn't yeah, exactly. He doesn't care about pain. It's not he's he's not he's not gonna put pain over the victory, basically. He'll he'll do whatever he possibly can. And that's always good to see. But I kind of um uh, Bill uh, in the chat says, I want your guys' opinion on how Mac Jones will be versus Tom Brady. I just want to touch on that quick. I think – I'm yeah. sure you – what was that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Go ahead, go ahead, Jenny. I think, and I'm sure you know this, that uh, – okay, so I don't know if you guys saw Tom's face after they lost the Rams. He was pissed. Tom was, he was He was not happy. He was off. sitting on the sidelines just stewing in it. So I'm sure right now, as we speak, him and his receivers are probably receivers are probably like yeah, their gloves are probably sweaty. You know, they're 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 they've been working all day. They've been they've been at it. They've been practicing. They've been they've been hitting repetitions. Uh, I'm sure the defense is going to like he's yelling at them to be watching film. Tom Brady's going to be going into Foxborough with a vengeance. He's not going to come in here, come in there with you know. That's a place where he's going to have a statue. Very, very. He should if he doesn't already. He, if they don't already have one planned, they should have one planned soon. And my opinion is that Mac Jones is. It's going to be a tough day. It's going to be a very tough day for the Patriots. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be a one and three. Can for you guys? I'd like to. I'd like to piggyback Please. off of that little that little take Ooh. from JD. Um. Uh. So. You basically just took this this little campfire that was Brady's motivation coming into Foxborough and took a gallon of fucking gasoline <laughs> and just dumped it on top of it with him losing to the Rams because now, now he doesn't have the perfect season and he's he already pissed off at Belichick. Mm-hmm. He's coming he's coming in here to drop 50 points on this team. Yes. And if Bill and if Bill and the Pats aren't ready for that and aren't like like the, the the Patriots need to get up for this game. They need to play up. They need to play. I'm watching every down. Mistake, mistake free football has to be played to beat the Buccaneers. It they they don't have a a prayer if they come in, if if the Pats come out of that tunnel and they are flat. Brady is going to make them pay. I, I don't. I don't think they have a prayer. Yep. Uh, for me to tackle onto your point, the only hope I have for this game is that we keep it competitive. That's my only hope. Let's be honest. The Buccaneers are a full team. They they have chemistry. They have leadership, and they know who they have an identity. Our Patriots, on the other hand, let's be honest. To preseason and the first three games, we still don't have an identity as an offense. All right, let's 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 make that really simple right now. We don't have an identity. We don't know who our stars are. We Our red zone percentage is just 
abysmal. Again, we're going up against a team that is very talented, has an identity, and can make points happen in the most, like one play, it could be a touchdown. We don't have that dynamic dynamicism. So what I'm going to tell fans is let's use this as a point to give Mac Jones the best experience he can against a very good team and make this a learning experience because this is not a game we're set up to win. We're not there. My hope is the defense does what it's supposed to do. Force Brady, Brady to throw into tight windows, harass him, and make this game competitive. Because at this point, if they stop the run, just like we saw from the Saints, it's going to be a bad ball game. We have to – oh, go ahead. So my I'm going to I'm going to piggyback off of that Ross. Yep. My my take on that would be that the whole competitive thing I I 1000% agree with. If the Patriots lose this game by 13, I'm not going to be upset. 10 or 13 points cuz that's a competitive game with with that high-powered Bucks offense. That's a competitive game. I want to see the I want to see the Patriots move the football on the Bucks defense. And I mean move the football purposely and score. If that's going to be a good little measuring stick to how good or how bad this team really is. Yep. And the points to beating the Bucks. So we have a game plan. We know what it takes to beat the Buccaneers. The Cowboys showed it, and definitely the LA Rams showed it. At the end of the day, if we can keep Tom Brady, one, off the field, two, force him to make bad throws into the flats, or into areas with high coverage, our secondary is good enough to make plays. But if we give Tom Brady free reign of the field, we don't cover the middle of the field, and we can't stop the run, it's it's going to be that type of game. It's it's We cannot allow him to get momentum going and get comfortable back there. No, I, 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 agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. That's all the same you gotta, you, you have to put <laughs> – Everybody knows when, like, like all of Pat's nation knows that Brady does not like to be rushed directly up the middle, you know, between the gaps in the set, you know, you know, the, the right and left guard, you put pressure up the middle and you put guys at his feet. That is, that is what makes him the most uncomfortable. And that's, that's a challenge. The Patriots have got, like I said, they have got to get up for this game and they have got to play. No more. No, they have got to play mistake-free football. And, and this whole, this whole play in these games where they're they're flagged eight, you know, seven, eight, nine, to like eight times. That that you can't give Brady eighty yards, you know, sixty to eighty yards for free. You, you can't. Yeah. You just you just can't. Again, just guys, just everyone out there. Let's be honest. Our team is in a rebuild. We don't want to talk about. We wanted to believe at the beginning of the season this was going to be a team that was going to be able to get us to the playoffs. And based on the game plan and the, the injuries and everything else we've gone through, this is probably going to be a 7 and 10 team. Let's be honest. I don't yeah. I don't want to I don't want to kick anyone um, I don't want to kick anyone when they're down. But we're going up against a team that is a full football team. We are not a full football team. And if McDaniel's <laughs> can't create a game plan that pull, puts us an advantage and a chance to win. It doesn't matter how good our defense is, because 
It only takes one play for those Buccaneers to put points on, on the board. We do not have a deep threat that we can score a one down and get a touchdown. We don't have that guy. They have three. Three different guys that could take it to the house. I agree, and I think that Tom Brady will probably not sleep for more than like two or three hours at a time from here until the Patriots game. I I don't think that at all that um I think he's gonna be just obsessed. I think he wants yep. this game more than more than any Super Bowl victory. I think he wants this he, victory right he, here. He, he's gonna he's gonna turn into Psycho Tom. He's gonna turn yep. into Psycho Tom. I think he is. I think this is gonna be a five touchdown game. And before we move on, uh, Bill Tortolette asked me a question directly. Um, Ross, read my comment. The last comment he had for me, Ross, how do you think Jones will do versus Brady coming back to Foxborough? Now, the problem is, is we don't know. We have no faith in Josh McDaniels to make a game plan to help us win. So what I see out of Mac Jones, if we played like we played against the Saints, Mac Jones is going to be under duress the whole time. Maybe a touchdown, maybe two. Because, again, the Buccaneers' secondary is not what I'm afraid of here. They're not what I'm afraid of. They're, 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 front, they're front guys and their middle and their linebacker and core is what scares me for Mac Jones. He could have a very bad day. If this O-line is as porous as it was against the Saints, we're looking at probably four different sacks and 10 hurries. And that's at minimum if this O-line plays like it did before. There are so many things that are wrong before we can even get the Mac Jones. Game plan and offensive line. If we don't have either of those coming up into this game, Bill, we, we can't even discuss how Mac Jones is going to play because everything is not set up for him to win. So – can I, can I like, so th that's an interesting segue since we're talking about the Patriots being home, right? I read an interesting article the other day and what it basically said was home field advantage in the NFL doesn't exist anymore. Ooh. Here's it compared the numbers and the records for the last two straight seasons, right? And uh, let me hold on. Let me get it. Hold on, guys. The last two seasons in a row. It's the first time in history where the home team is under 500 in both seasons. Um, home teams have finished under 500 in two seasons. Does that mean the home field advantage is dead? Not yet, because I would wait a little bit longer. Because the the reason why I would say is we haven't, for instance, I think last year there wasn't as many people uh, in the stands, and you know that's that has a lot to do with the play calling. That has a lot to do with with being able to hear audibles and stuff like that. But it does mean something. You know, something is everything. Everything is nothing. But it definitely means something. It means it's less important, I think, than it used to be. Give it a year, though. Another, uh, give it another year or so. Yeah. Oh, let's get the AJ show on uh, comment up here. Let's. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, AJ show. Yes, the Bucks are most likely going to win. You guys have a full, complete team, while we have essentially a preseason team with no identity. You know. Yeah. Again, it's like you kicking the kid with glasses on the field right now. We're just not there. 
Again, this is a rebuild year. You guys are probably going to at least hang up 13 as a lead on us. But the thing is, what I want to see from Mac Jones and the defense is to keep this a competitive game and use this as a learning experience going into 2022. Because based on their game plans and how they're playing, we're looking at a non-playoff team for this season. Sorry about oh, that, guys. No, you're fine. I was gonna say, can we put can we put his next comment up there really quick? Feel so bad for Justin Fields. <laughs> yep. I, I just want to touch on just for like for like 90 seconds. I want to touch on like I think that next week, like since we're since we're previewing, I can kind of slice this or whatever. But like I think next week is a good chance for Justin Fields to get an opportunity to just more time in the in the freaking pocket, man. And hopefully Nagy can learn from his mistakes and call well, a better game. So that's all I wanted yeah. to say. That's no, all. no doubt. That's all we want. We want our offensive coordinators to call better games. When we start seeing high school plays in the NFL, it starts getting really annoying really quick. It's home field so, advantage, oh, dead, though. Oh, dead, and so, Russ, I ask you the same question. Is the yep. home field advantage dead? I don't think it is. We're coming out of a season where COVID happened, you know, like last season. There was, at least in Massachusetts, there were bare, there was like next to no fans in the stands, number one. Number two, coming back right now, it's, again, until we start seeing more butts in seats, we're not going to start seeing these, these outrageous games where they can't hear the field or things like that. Um, unless you're a team that p- puts in crowd noise, and I'm not going to say uh, – most of the teams are guilty of this at times, but at the end of the day, huh, the Rams. <laughs> yes. Um, but at the end of the day, I think home field advantage is helpful, but not necessarily going to tip the scales of whether there's going to be a W or not. It's not I vital most, anymore. Yeah. I think people like it and it, it sells, it sells newspapers, but at the end of the day, on-field play is more important than any kind of home field or away advantage, in my opinion. I think game plan, game plan, and like you said, on-field play execution, that matters like 10 times more in football than home field. I think in basketball, energy, you know, like people say, yeah, let's go, you know, that helps them a little bit more, maybe baseball too. But but you're right. I think it's, it's a lot less important in football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, at the college level, it's massive, but it's like NFL sure. level. It's just, you know, it, it can really too. help a game at times, but it's not going to be – if good play happens, you can shut up a crowd really easily. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, in college too, in the NFL, they're all professionals. They've been through it for years, and they've heard, they've heard years and years of yelling, like most of them, uh, well, like except for, I guess, Trey Lance. But but in college, they're kids. They need encouragement. So whenever they're booed and told, oh, you suck and stuff, it, it actually affects them worse. Well, I'll use an example from last night. Me and Bobby went to the Red Sox-Yankees game, okay? There was a point in which in Fenway Park, the Yankees fans were louder than Red Sox fans. Think of that. That's Think tough. of that description. That's tough. And when we and were that's leading, a Red we Sox. And that's a Red Sox and Yankees game. The Sox fans in years past that's would sad. they wouldn't even let Yankees fans buy tickets. Never mind. What do you get, attribute that to? The 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 quality the of play, play on the the quality yep. of play on the field. 
that they've they've played like garbage since the All Star break. The quality of play has driven, I think, a lot of fans away from going to go see them. Okay, when you when you put in a pitcher that has lost us more games than he's won, and you put him into a pivotal game at the end, and you're shocked he four runs were scored on him. I don't know what to say anymore because either that's bad management, and when when the fans see this, whether it be a football game, baseball game, and you see things that make your head scratch over and over again, you're not going to be excited to watch the game. You are not going to be excited for the next play because you know they're not going to make decisions that's in the best interest of the football club. Am I correct, Bobby, or baseball club? No, absolutely. absolutely. I have no faith in upper management of the Red Sox, and I have no faith in Josh McDaniel's game plans up to this point. He's shown me nothing. Hopefully, hopefully, well, not next week. Next week is going to be a, is going to be tough. AJ Show, we're not making the playoffs. We're not. We have to win every game to make the playoffs, and the pitching is not there. The Red Sox will not make the playoffs. I think the Patriots will beat the Jets again, and I think the Patriots will beat the Dolphins uh, next time. But, I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to be a tough season for both the Pats and the Bears. So – Let's let's stay with the NFL, guys. I have a I have a question. I have another another the next uh, topic for y'all, and I think it's an interesting one because it's it's definitely being talked about because of the taunting because of the taunting rules and 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 uh, and just kind of like we like the just the the bad play calling. Um, it, I mean that the, the bad um officiating in general. So the, the NFL's officiating this year has, has been um, <laughs> awful. It, it's been terrible. They're, they're, they're starting to, the NFL officials are starting to affect games now, not just with the taunting calls, but with phantom, you know, phantom pass interferences, or they don't, they don't like the, the perfect example of is the offensive pass interference that, that was in the, um, Dallas and Bucks game that they came back the next morning and said, "Yeah, we missed it." Like th- it's affecting ball games now, and it's 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 not good. And it's it's been going on for probably three seasons now. Um, what do you what do you, do you have anything to say about that, there, JD? Yeah. So so I'll start with I have two things to say about it. Uh, the first thing I would say uh, about the the call or about the excuse me about refs the rules you know all of the on the field calls i'm not i'll talk about taunting in a second but all the on the field calls i would say this we have too much technology too many cameras and too much too many people involved too much money on the line for you to get this wrong and and there's too many like i said there's too many cameras and too many people involved for you not to be able to do it efficiently let me tell you what i would do I'd say I'd say if there's any challenge like there's add more challenges give everyone like five challenges a game because there's a lot of bad calls these days if there's a challenge on the field give them literally 30 seconds so you don't waste that, waste that much time send it to the booth upstairs have them look at it that's your decision and go with it end of discussion because all this all this like on the field question like where they go and they quit and they talk with each other and you're the one guy with the mic on and stuff like say oh let's just say it's this. It's like you guys look like a bunch of clowns out there. Like just 
just go to the tape, have like a arbitrary judge just say it's this or this, and then that's it. Okay, that's then then you have like a, a godlike ref figure. Like, all right, what's he say? All right, call what call the arbitrating ref. All right, call him. All right, he's done. Well, and, and you could keep that ref yeah. on site too. No more call. Sure. No, you could keep him at the game on site sure. instead of instead of sending it to New York. Give him like forty. Well, ca- give him every camera that there is available. Period. And just like yep. one guy. That's it. I, I don't know why they don't have that. It's just so. It's so simple to me. It's such a simple explanation. It's such a give him thirty seconds to look at it. Give him like he has thirty seconds to make a decision, and then that's it. And all the refs have to just shut up. All this congregating on the field that makes it look like the game's fixed. It really does. I know it's a lot of it's just like you're trying to make it look fair, basically. But by making it look anything, you're making it look just use the technology. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, what do you guys think about the technology first before we go any further before that? Well, Bobby said he wants robots on the field anyways. Why Uh, not? My problem. I said I want robot umpires in baseball. Oh, just baseball. And and then you should and then you should like. The owner, the, the the managers of the team should be able to fight the robot like Rock'em Sock'em, like Rock'em Sock'em robots. And if you beat the robot, you get the call. Yep. NFL officiating, let's be honest, has been a joke over the last four years. From being overprotective of quarterbacks to taunting calls that is more recently and just the PI conversation in a whole. The problem is, is that if you're going to call it fair, then start calling guys on push-offs as pass interference. The amount of times that I see defensive pass interference, but guys like Gronkowski, even um, the tight end from uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? Sure. Travis They'll Kelsey. Hold- Travis Kelsey. Happens you a see lot. The pu- you see the push-offs all the time. You know, you can't expect a corner to cover those guys when they're getting like, oh, we didn't fully extend his arm. But he doesn't need to. If he gets just like half of his elbow covered, he's got an easy catch on the side. You know, I tell people all day, every day, you got to judge the play for what it is. And if both guys are hand fighting, don't make the call. But if you see a guy like a tight end literally boxing out corners, safeties, and shoving them out of the way, make that call too. It's just. You see it all day. They're not making the calls. And it's only when games are on the line that these calls seem to get called and affect games. Look at look at the Indianapolis first game. They got the first big taunting call of the game. Changed the entire outcome of that game. And there's many other examples that I'm not going to bring up. But the officiating has been bad. It's been inconsistent. And last but not least, how many times have they stopped football games to discuss in the middle of the field for five minutes what the call should have been. Just, I kind annoying. of like that idea that, J, that that JD had. You give them a set time. You have one minute to make a decision. One. And that's minute. it. You have one minute. It goes Don't to talk it about goes it. to a. I like that a lot though. It goes to a booth up top where there's refs sitting waiting for that waiting for the feed. They get they get kind of like that that oh you know that like overrule you know like they're they what they say goes that's the call you know right and they relay that relay that down to the field and that's that's you know that's your call and it's literally 90 seconds that's it you you know between like between like the challenge flag being thrown 
the review and the relay back down and the call back on the field, 90 seconds. And you, you cut out these, you cut out these 10 minute conversations that they, like you were saying, they, you cut out the 10 minute conversations they have on the field because it slows the game down and you're already looking at a three plus hour game as it is. And it looks shady as hell sometimes. It really does. And then you, the guy got hot mic'd, and it was shady as hell when he got hot mic'd. It was like, yeah. like all right, we'll just say it was this. It's like, yeah. what do you mean you're just going to say it was that? Like, you have all these cameras around. What's wrong with you? Um, but uh, another thing I would say is to add on to Ross's point about the um, taunting calls, I agree with Ross, Tom Brady, and you, Bobby. It's That's the stupidest thing. We are grown men. This is Football. Hold on. Can I can I pause the show for one second? Please. Can I pause the show for one for second? Oh, Hold oh. on a sec. Hold on. I gotta find it. Yes, they do. <laughs> Fuck the Giants. All right. Now we can. Now we can resume. I'm just saying these are it's just football. This is football. All right. I don't care if you're talking about their mama, their wife, their sister. You could say whatever the f you want on the field, man. But like, it's it's football. Okay. This is the dirtiest, bloodiest. Most aggressive sport ever. Now, I do agree that, like, you know, you shouldn't fight. I think, okay, there's, there's like, okay, if you start fighting people, okay, that's, that's a penalty. If, like, any not unnecessary roughness, but you can verbally, you can say whatever you want. Like, I don't get that at all. Like, you can't taunt people. Are you kidding me? Like, what is this? What are we, what are we, a bunch of kids? I get that when you're kids, but like, you know what, you know what started this taunting rule thing, right? You know what started this? When, when when homeboy homeboy gave the the peace sign to the Chiefs receiver in the Super Bowl for being an idiot, oh, oh. because that's what start that's that's funny. The guy that the guy that gave the 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 dude that got the peace sign thrown in his face for being an idiot probably was all butt hurt and went to the went you know and then they complained about it. I yeah, and that's just it's so it's these are storylines. Whoa. Yeah. Anyway, these are storylines, man. Like these are storylines and shit. And like, uh, it is just like, you, there's nothing, there's no excuse for like trying to make this game, uh, any less fun. You know what I mean? Like whenever they try to like, say, I'm oh, here dance. Haunting, dude, I'm here for all of it. I'm here for I all. I want to know what they're saying. I want to know all of it, dude. It's like a reality TV show for like grown men. So like <laughs> if you take away the fun of it, you guys can't talk to each other. Are you oh, kidding I, me? I want to. I want to hear the hot mic conversation between the trash talking. I want to hear that. I'm all. I'm here for that. Yeah, half of half of like the fun of like you ever watched like a. I don't want to get too off topic, but you you know like the MMA, they have all those TV shows like reality shows about the MMA. Half of the fun is them talking crap to each other and then beating the tar out of each other. So that's kind of I don't know. You can't take that away. Yeah. So anyway, well, they're they're, they're, t they're taking the passion out of the game, which irritates right. the hell out of me. The and then passion. they're taking, but not only that, they're taking they're using that as a weapon. I'm not going to say completely that they're purposely affecting games, but the end result is that they're affecting football games. No joke. No joke at all. Sorry, I was it's, muted. it's just it's yes, it's gotten. Exactly. You know what? You know what they really need, and this goes for MLB, NBA, NFL, all, all you know, all these professional, any of these leagues, any professional sports league. The referees for these leagues need a specific union because that'll put them. That means that they get 
that means that that is all they do for a profession. Because a lot of these referees, that's not their their real job. You know what I mean? That's not their job. That's, they do that on the side. They need to make it a paid profession, train these guys specifically. This is what a PI is. This is offensive PI. This is defensive PI. This is this is offensive holding. You can you're, you can do this on offense without calling an offensive holding. You can do this on defense without calling a defensive holding. And just you need to just run get run them through the ringer and train them and and but the whole reason the NFL won't do that is because it's money. That costs that's going to cost them millions. Which is stupid because they make billions every year well, so well, you know, it, 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 it's fair. There's a lot of things about the NFL that boggle my mind and one of the biggest things is when you see taunting and let's be honest it's generally guys just getting excited. It rarely ever gets to a point where guys are in each other's faces causing fights and stuff like that. They use the most severe example of taunting to rule out any sort of celebration. But you can go into the end zone and have your whole team do the robo. Like, <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I'm sorry. That's so stupid. That idiot out of New York who is just, we don't want to see this in football. It's like, no, wait, we want to see this. The fans who buy jerseys, the fans that pay for games and just drop ludicrous amounts of money during the season. We want to see this. Your old man take is not what the fan base at large wants to see. Exactly, we want to man. see competitive games. We want right. to see passion. And we want to see players going all out. And that is, I think, I, I'm is here. Too. I'm here for the end zone celebrations. Remember the insane end zone celebrations we used to get before they, Ocho Cinco. Before they, before they, they, they like cut down on that. Give me that. Give me the end zone celebrations, the flips into the end zone, the like taunting. Give me all that back. The river dude. dance. I want all of that back. No, Ooh. I agree. Uh, doing, doing the, what do you call it? Um, heart compressions or whatever to the, to the dude, ball. All that. The, the bowling, dude. the bolt, like the bowling. Give me yeah. all those touchdown celebrations, all the taunting, all of it back. All these like really old people and sensitive people in the media and stuff like that, man, you just need to get a life because this game is supposed to be fun. Like, I don't know the last, I don't know what happened, but like when we were growing up, the game was about having fun and stuff like that. You never crossed the line, but at the same time, you did jump around and have fun with your friends, man. Like that, it's it's a it's a game. Like let's not take it too seriously. No, ab- absolutely. And um, when you get that taunting call and it backbreaks the game, there's a severe problem. See, I think it's going to start affecting. Dude. Like it already is. Like it's affecting games. You know what there's I mean? A couple of great questions in the chat. That too. that week that week one loss for the Colts is a clear, concise example on why. Yeah. I'm sorry. Why it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry. So I have uh, I have two more topics there, gentlemen. Um, I'm ready for them. We got a great question. I, I want to save one. I want to save one for uh, – that's a nice house there, Ross. Thank you. Slick. That's slick. And it's one of the free backgrounds, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my next one, I, I'm going to save. I think the fun, the funnest topic to talk about for the last one, because I think, I think we're going to all kind of go in on this a little bit. But next up, Sam Darnold is rebuilding and reviving his freaking career in in Carolina. There, um, mm-hmm. 
he looks like a different quarterback, man. He looks confident. He's throwing darts. It's accurate. It's they're they Great they look see. really good. Could could they make the playoffs? You want to start, Ross? I'll definitely start. So I never thought that Sam Darnold was ever the problem in New York. He was a team. He was a player expected to make up for all their failings, as they try to do every season. We see the same thing with Zach right now over there. If there's no front line, you have no chance. And all you're doing is steamrolling this kid's confidence for the attempt at a offense that might be high-powered. When he finally got to an organization where he had optimal talent with a good enough offensive line, just look at the stats from his last game. He's a competent quarterback who can move on his legs and can make plays happen. But New York, Cincinnati, and certain other teams in the NFL will not invest in a front line, and that's why you'll always be in a position where your quarterback is struggling. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, it is scary, though, that uh, McCaffrey got hurt last week. Um, mm-hmm. He's having some hamstring issues, so that's definitely a big big deal. We'll see how Darnold plays without McCaffrey. Uh, but at the same time, no, I, I definitely think this is this is big for him. I think that just giving him a functional team – Carolina is always functional. They're always they're, – they're like they're, – they're always – at least like a couple players away from the playoffs, if not in the playoffs, like they're always kind of like in the mix. And cool. that's just something that, you know, that's credit to their ownership group. Um, and, and obviously everyone they hire, but it, and I think that trade was smart. Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. There's a lot of people like, Oh man, just trying to rail off stats and how efficient he was with Carolina and how he should have uh, kept his job and everything. I get that. I do. But here's the thing. He's old. He's had serious, not old, old, but he's my age. He's 28. He's had serious knee surgery, serious knee surgery. So I would rather invest in a 23-year-old like Matt, uh, Sam Darnold, who has probably a much, much higher ceiling, could he maybe even be a star in this league, um, to, to run with my young running back, Christian McCaffrey. So now I have a running back and a quarterback, both around the same age, growing together in the same offense, I just you, you couldn't pass that up, and I think Carolina did a very good job this off season. Now they just got to build. Um, they got a couple good receivers too. Uh, Sam Darnold loves DJ Moore. Uh, they got to build that defense a little bit up. Could they make the playoffs? They could. It'd be a wild card though. I don't think they with the Saints and the and the the Bucks. I don't give them a high. Maybe like give them like a twenty percent chance to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I go a little bit higher. I go like a solid 30% if things keep working out for them. Because, again, in the running back core, again, you're going to have guys that are not as talented. But, again, next man up is always kind of the, sure. the mentality. Um, my biggest problem is they got a lot of tough got tough teams that, that they're going to have to go up against. They do not have an easy schedule like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm sorry. Like, again, <laughs> they might have it in a couple of years once they gain more chemistry with a new quarterback and showing that Sam Darnold is that playmaker. I just don't see it happening this season, but I would keep an eye on them for the next two seasons because they're going to do some damage. I definitely believe that. 
they're talented and they're very young. So I like that. That's what do you think, Daniels to McDonald's. That's excellent. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, again, I think a lot of the problems that we stem from with these young quarterbacks is not good game plans to support them. And on some situations, no O-line to keep them protected. And then last but not least, lack of creativity on the ball or creativity to be able to audible to take advantage of bad defensive schemes. There were so many times that I see either from the Jets, from the from the Bears, from the Patriots, where I see they have a completely stacked box. So let's keep showing the run, but let's get an outlet guy to go outside for a quick pass. Let a ball rush in. Let him do that. We'll, we'll kill him for four or five yards. Call the audible at the line. Have we seen a single audible at the line in either of those young quarterbacks? Not in, really. No. In Matt Nagy, well, there's no excuse either because you have the – and McDaniels. You got the headset. You know, I, I know they can barely hear you, especially when it's loud. But you got the headset. Just tell them, hey, switch to a pass. Doesn't that – you don't – you know, give them a passing package like on their, you know, on their wrist. They're like, all right, just switch to a pass. You choose, kid. Just give them like three passes. Choose which one you like. Doesn't matter. Switch to a pass. If they had that, just that alone, I, I agree with you. They would have just give them like give them a little bit of a chance to breathe out there, man. Because I feel like they're trying to fit him in. Um there's a lot of throws like that. That one throw with fields where he was like uh, the guy was designed to, I think it was Robinson. He was designed to go up and then go over. That takes like three, three or four seconds to develop. If you Thank can't you. guard, <laughs> if you can't block, then you're, you're screwed. Like, so anyway, that's, that's all I, yeah, that's all I want to say about it. You're right about that. So here's the fun topic of the, of the, of the, the, uh, afternoon. We're, uh, we're, uh, Ross and JD, let's talk about uh, Tom Brady Sr. and Alex Guerrero's comments uh, heading into the Bucks and the Pats game. Okay, so I'd like to comment first, not to cut you off, JD, but I got to leave for an appointment. <laughs> but, Boy, Ross, has been, Ross has been waiting for this forever. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Go for it, Ross. Um, so, Ross, hold on. The, the So for those of you who don't know, Tom Brady Sr. and Alex Guerrero both made comments towards the Brady return to Foxborough and they they weren't they weren't too good. They weren't yep. they weren't too too good. Do you want me to read them yep. off verbatim quick? Yeah, so well, I so got, yeah, I got please. a run. Okay, so let, let's go for it. Yeah. Go, so uh, Ross, are you gonna read them? You're gonna read them off verbatim? Well, again, I'm going to give my opinion, but um, let's take a look. Boop, 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 boop. Or take take a few, yeah, take take a few. So just so just so the people the just he so said, the the listening audience can can get a feel of what we're talking about. So he said, Tommy, yep. this is what Tom Brady Senior said. He said, Tommy is extraordinarily appreciative of everything that happened during his New England career, and he's more than happy that he's moved on because it was pretty obvious that the Patriot regime felt it was time for him to move on. Brady Sr. told Tom Curran, and frankly, it may have well been perfect for Belichick to move on from him. On the other hand, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are pretty happy that the decision they made in Foxbury. They didn't want 
to afford him and didn't want to keep, they didn't want to afford him or didn't want to keep him when his last contract came up. Okay. So let me attack a couple of points here, okay? First, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll Go ahead, Ross. That. The okay. floor so is yours. The one time Tom Brady comes and asks for a pay raise is when we have no money. So item number one. Number two, the one time he goes after us for players and playmakers on the offense, we have no money. Next part, he came off a season where he lost the Super Bowl to a pick six. Okay, let's let's cover that before he left. Okay, so yes, he wanted more money. We wanted to keep him, but we couldn't do it. We can't make magic money come out of nowhere. How many guys would we have to cut to make sure Tom Brady was happy? Please tell me, because we would have lost <laughs> half of our defense. Am I correct? That's true. No, you're probably right about no, that. You, you no, we would have had to. We would have had to have dumped. We would have had to dump a lot of salaries and a lot of talent to get that fifty. To get it's that Tom fifty. Brady. Yep. No, I, I know, I know it is, but it would have, we, we would have, we would have probably had to, we would have had to dump no, a right. lot of people to get to and, get and, it down to, like where yeah. it would need to be. Yeah, and off camera, me and Bobby have talked about it. Okay, this was something in Tom Brady's mind for a couple of years. Okay, these kind of deals do not happen overnight. Brady was ready to leave right after that Philly Super Bowl. No one can tell me otherwise. There was a plan in motion, and. Albeit, he's got a couple of years left in the league. What did he want to do? Wait two years during a rebuild or go to a stack team where the, all they really needed was a quarterback? I, I'll i give credit to Tom Brady as being one of the greatest of all time, but I'm not going to give him credit for going to a stack team that was only waiting for a quarterback to take the reins. He he also brought Gronk and AB for nothing. So that, I mean that helps. Don't too. don't bring up Gronk because Gronk shafted us in the worst way possible. We're not gonna go into details on the Gronk situation, right. but if anyone wants to go and read about Gronkowski and how he left the Patriots again, I, know that. I will clap, I will cheer for Brady at the end of the game, but Gronk gets nothing from me. Gronk will not get a thing from me. I they think Steve, Steve, Gronk, 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 the major reason why I think a lot of Pats Nation has some bad feelings towards Gronkowski is the way he left. The way the way he left, he 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 made it sound like he was leaving for good and just he was done. You know, he made it sound like his body had shut down on him and he was done. And in I think in reality, what he was really doing is just gonna take that year off. Just gonna take to take the year off recover a little bit and then you know when his body felt good like when his body felt good enough he, and he knew it would he went back with he went back with Brett. Like, I, I had no I issue think, with that <laughs> yeah again but he also was, didn't but yeah. the, the major part about it is he left the Pats hanging for a long time about if he was gonna if he was gonna retire or not like if, if he knew he was gonna retire he should have just told him yeah I'm retiring I'm done they owe him like fifty million. I, I, okay, they, here's they owe my him problem. a lot of money. Yes, but for that fifty million, we would have lost half of our special teams and half of our defense to I keep get Tom it. Brady and leave him with weapons. And let's put it this way: to leave him with weapons that were not good enough to get him through a Eagles Super Bowl. So we would have had a worse defense and a worse offense to pay through five hundred yards. And Belichick five, couldn't stop Nick Foles. Uh, 500 yards and a pick six for a touchdown. The pick, the pick six, the pick six, yards. 
the the pick six the pick six is what ultimately got him. It's it's funny yeah. though. It's funny but, that that one mistake. It's funny that Nick Foles. No, <laughs> no, I know, it. I know. But no, but see, that's that's even that's that's funny though. It's that that w- literally that one mistake. True. That one mistake. That that pick six is was the was the game changing moment. You know what I mean? Like that that, no, that no pick doubt. six is is what ultimately it was got the him. Moment, yeah. Yeah. And guys, I have to run, but I'm gonna make my last point really quick sure. for you guys before I go. Alex Guerrero sold concussion water. So one, his opinion is invalid in the NFL and in any areas. If you're that type of charlatan, I don't want to hear from you. And the fact that ESPN and all these other news outlets has ran with it is the reason why I don't watch network sports anymore. They're all a bunch of headline hunters, and that's it. Next part, Tom Brady Sr. Riding headline the headline hunters and snake and snake oil salesmen. I can't yeah. argue with the, so, with the media. Yeah. I will I will never respect anything that comes out of Alex Guerrero, and I'll never respect anything out of TB12 camp because TB12 is not the same quarterback as Tom Brady. The TB12 that we know now is a diva. Okay, number one, he he's and again he's earned that right. I'm not even going to deny that. But at the end of the day. He could have came out and said these things himself, but instead he sends out Guerrero. That's he true. Sends out, he sends out Dad to say say these things that he couldn't say to our faces. And Tom Brady Sr., I'm sorry, but you have no – other than you get, had the opportunity to be the seed for Tom Brady, you have no experience in football. You have no freaking clue what you're talking about. You are not in those meetings. You were not with Bill Belichick when he had conversations with Tom Brady. And last but not least, Bill Belichick has always coached Tom Brady in a way to make him as potent as possible. And what does Brady do? He plays the best with a chip on his shoulder. He has always been that way. Why are you going to compliment a guy over and over again to make him play worse? If you consistently keep a chip on that shoulder, Tom Brady has been absolutely great. Well, the, the best the best yeah. example the best example of him the best example of him putting a chip on the shoulder is he drafted Garoppolo like right in Brady's face and it lit that fire again. He won a For sure. he, won, he won a Super Bowl again because he was so mad that they drafted Garoppolo. Bro. And the last and the last thing I will say, okay, I'm sorry, guys, but the last go. thing I will say is that Tom Brady at the end of the day. The things that made him angry at Belichick also made him a better player in yeah. the short term and the long term. Now, that's true. My last opinion on this whole Bill Belichick, Tom Brady saga. Let's be honest that ESPN has been loving, been moist. Oh, yeah. Completely moist. Everybody moist. is. Coaches do not compare to players. The reason that Bill, Bill Belichick has a lesser extent to the overall success of the Patriots is because at the end of the day, players play, okay? True. Players make the calls on the field. Players make the job happen. Bill Belichick's job is only there to put them in a chance to succeed. To, to, to make the yeah, – to develop – to develop Belichick, – Belichick's game planning and the – Belichick's – so it's always been a combination of the two because Belichick's game planning and putting, you know, development of the game plan and how to, how to attack teams – 
And then he just lets Tom, he lets Tom's maniacal attitude about winning just take over. Like his, his, you know, attitude about winning and his knowledge of the game. Belichick gave him a general idea of how he wants to attack things. And yep. it was a common, it, it was a combination of the two. And I mean, like, like th- with the two of them together, were just crazy that what they were able to accomplish together was nuts. Yep. Can I just say uh, that Tom Brady senior didn't really say anything that bad. All he said was no. that, that Tom Brady felt vindication from no. winning a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. That's all he really said. To, but you have to look at Tom Brady Sr.'s body of comments throughout the last well, sure, few sure. years. So again, he, he's there was been some like, spite he, there. I get it. Yeah, no, there, yeah. there's that. I think that's JD. I think you just hit it on the head. Th- there's a lot of like spite behind Tom Brady Senior sure. when it comes to like talking about the 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 Patriots situation. Anyone who yeah. who who sh- who throws shade at his son, which I love him for that. He's a good yeah, father. Okay, yeah. yeah. He's just like so, screw you. They're they're crap. You know that's yeah. I love that. But again, but his knowledge on the sport of football. Oh, that's true. And, yeah, and, and how things are managed from the background is Bill Belichick did whatever he had to do to keep Tom Brady competitive. And after 20 years, that's going to push them apart. That was not going to make them closer. You know, it's a coach's job to not be the good guy. I don't know if Bill's the same coach without Tom, though. I just don't know if he is. Like, I compare it to Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan. Well, how are you going to have the same thing? Tom Brady was an on-field coach. Let's be honest. Yeah, he was. he, like, was, dude, he was he was he was he, he was is. like he was a general on the field like every and ever like the guy the guy you put it like yeah he was a a coach in pads i think that if belichick would have begged tom brady to stay sign yeah. a cheap no. deal i think he would have I no, do. Tom Brady was done with taking deals. This came no, he, that, yeah, that's I, probably I, true JD, i think no matter i think, I think tom no matter how them, you know I think no That's matter true. how much begging he did, top it was it was he just he wanted the the recognition, the money that he wanted. He, he wanted would have given him that recognition for maybe like yeah. years prior. Like yeah, maybe well, you're right. There's something that could have been done that summer. Yeah. But like what about the three or four summers before that? You know what I mean? Like well, you know what happened? I don't know. He brought in all the players he wanted. Did Antonio Brown do well for us? For 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 a little yeah. bit for like two games and then he got like investigated for half. beating up a woman I guess or something. Yeah. <laughs> let's let, let, let's be honest. If we gave Tom Brady all that he wanted, instead of this being a two season rebuild, it would have been a four because we were out of money. We were out Probably. of talent. When you you have seven goals, Super Bowls instead of six. Our leading one of our leading pass guys and receivers for Tom Brady going into that season was Gunnar Oshevsky. Okay, maybe you wouldn't have had seven Super Bowls. Okay, that's Thank maybe you. you're right. <laughs> Let, let's be frank. If we gave Tom Brady what he wanted, we would have no defense. And you're right. Special teams would have been in tatters. I he just think that Brady yeah. is a great player. And I, I think that Belichick, he definitely – I think that for a while Belichick's like, I've made you and stuff. And I think that Belichick no. is eating those no. words now. No, Tom, Bill Belichick, at the end of the day, everyone wants to put this personality on – Bill Belichick, he doesn't have one. He's an old man that loves football. And he doesn't <laughs> care about the press. He doesn't care about Tom Brady's feelings. He doesn't care. He, what he wants to do is win football games. And the thing is, when you're that type of person, 
they're not going to like you. Tom yeah. Brady for 20 years had to deal with that. And don't get me wrong. This is not an organization set up for individuals. This is an organization built on team play. If we gave everything up for Tom Brady, we would have gone against our complete identity as a football club. What if he does play till 50 and wins two more Super Bowls? Then good for him. Here's the okay. thing. I don't mind the fact he's on another team playing. What I have a problem with is the fact that at the end of the day, he is bashing the one, the coach that gave him his start over Bledsoe, who was paid $100 million. But you know, you're right. That's true. But back. the next year, yeah, you're right. We, he went against everyone and put Tom in there. That's true. The thing is, no matter what your feelings are, Bill Belichick will only will only do what's best for the football club in general. Not one player, not one individual. How many high-priced talent have we let walk because it would have been detrimental for the team as a whole? And Tom Brady got to that point. Guys, I got to go. I love you all. Thank you for all the great comments, guys. Thank you for listening to my angry old man ranting. Um, And Patriots fans, keep your head up. This is going to be a tough season. But let's hope Mac Jones gets some great experience and McDaniels learn how to learns how to call a game. Thanks for hanging out, Ross. <laughs> see, you, see you later, Ross. Now get, Sorry, I ranted too hard. <laughs> get off my show, you old man. Bye, buddy. And thank you, JD. <laughs> see you later, bud. Take good, it easy. Good, good discussion, bro. That was a good time. Um, the last thing I w- I would want to say, actually. We have a lot of uh, last thing I want to say about just touching on that is that I think that, yeah, I think that Bray, um, Guerrero's comments, Guerrero, they listen, dude, let's just be clear, they're all looking for vengeance, they, they all want to yeah. prove, they all want to come into Foxborough and beat the ever living breaks off of Bill Bell. They're all coming in with a with a chip, everyone, Brady Sr. Brady Guerrero, they're they're all coming in with a chip on their shoulder, looking to stomp this team out. There is something to Guerrero's method, okay? Like I, I, I you guys called him. You joked around. That he's a snake oil salesman. It's I, I think it's less that he's a snake oil salesman. It's that he's selling something that everyone really kind of already knows. It's like massage therapy is really important, basically, and yeah. he's selling he's selling basically like a brand of massage therapy. Basically, he's like, "All right, check out this massage therapy. It's really good, and if you use these bands, it's great." And they're trying to front and pretend that that's like the it's, reason Tom it's Brady new and like inventive and all this. Yeah, it, well, in, in in some ways it is because it's like a little bit more aggressive, but at the same time, it's more just like Tom Brady's a really amazing athlete. And yeah. his, you know, that's really, I mean, that's what it he's means. just a freak. So. He's just a freak athlete yeah. with how and, he, how he yeah. handles his body, how he handles his routine, all, all of that. It's no, I 1000% agree. Right. So I think that's, it's not necessarily that he's a snake oil salesman, but I agree that he's not necessarily what he says he is. He's not like a doctor or anything like that. I, I, I totally am with you on that. A hundred percent. But let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy looks like he's like, he's like 34. Right, six years old. So there's got to be something to what they're saying. It's not just completely he looks ridiculous. Like almost ten years younger than he really is. The dude, the dude is in ridiculous shape. Looks amazing. Both of, I mean, honestly, both of them do. Guerrero is old. Looks like he's relatively young, and Brady looks amazing for his age. So 
yeah, that's the thing. But see, Brady understands. What they're doing. Brady, Brady gets it though. He understands. If I physically and mentally take care of myself, I can play for a long time. Yes, yes. And in the mental game, that just comes with he already that that comes naturally to him already. Um, like he's he plays chess, not checkers with everybody. Um, and the physical game is what he's really worried about because his body is deteriorating no matter what he wants to do about it. It's just that's yep. just life. Like everyone after like 31, your body just starts to slowly break down. That's literally a fact of life. <laughs> so he's he's fighting father time and he's winning so far. What's wrong with your bears? We talked about that a lot, uh, Phil, earlier in the show, but I will clip it up for you, my guy. Make sure to to uh, so if you haven't already subscribed to I ninety Sports Talk. Yeah, we'll put, put, put that, that for you, JD. Man. Put that link in there. So if, sure, before we end the show, guys, JD clips all of the segments that we do up on his channel. So if you want to just listen to a specific segment, all you got to do is up. go go over to his channel, and it's all snipped up. The whole show you can you can list yeah the whole show is clipped up into all the different segments that we do. That one will be later tonight, I believe, or if not early in the morning. That one will yeah. be the first one we do. So uh, no but doubt. This was um, a good show, man. This was a good one. This, we hit on a lot of stuff. It's going to be an interesting week of football. The Brady Brady Patriot matchup is going to be really something to watch. The progression of Justin Fields to see whether or not Matt Nagy can, you know. Get him some protection. Move, move him around a little bit. Move him around a little bit. Make him, make him, uh, make the receivers move. Make the line move. Make the defense move because Fields can keep up with it. He can throw on the run. He's very accurate on the run. Um, I agree. I, I'm looking forward to this week because it's actually a team we can beat. And even if we don't beat the Lions, we will. Uh, even if we don't beat the Lions, there's a strong chance that we'll compete with them. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, my, I just want to quickly uh, touch on because I told Bill I'd, I'd answer his question once we got to it, but we just we've been we've been killing this this podcast today. He said <laughs> Chiefs are going to lose a couple more uh, games this year because of well, he, he said what's going on with the Chiefs? He asked. He said their two man, the their Chiefs? two main cornerbacks are out. That's that's the big one. The defense is kind of messing up a little bit, and the and the receivers are not focused down the field. So that's what I would say. Mahomes is playing as good as he's ever played. So Mahomes is—it's nothing to do with Mahomes. It's he, just dude. The, he let's be honest. Got to figure he, it he out. Play he that kid plays his ass off every week. Every week he's he's the best player in the league. I don't think there's a question. I I think he's the best player at least offensively. He he's just there, there just seems like in in the Chiefs games, the the two losses that they've had. It just seems like in like big stretches of of the game like eight to ten minutes right mm -hmm. he he gets no help like legit yeah. no help guys dropping footballs that are that People hit him disappear right. you know receivers. what i mean like guys dropping footballs that hit him right in the numbers they bounce off their hands and it's picked he it just seems like he's not getting any help at times in these games and that's really tough too because he has so many talented guys who are paid a lot he this week is probably going to be a week of practicing the fundamentals because we're you know they, they're just losing their focus i think they're, they're yeah. forgetting what they need to do to win but. yeah no ab absolutely but this was a good show man thanks Great again show. guys for showing up appreciate all you guys coming out and hanging out episode 10 in the books banging them out man banging Getting them out, out man 10 episodes already hyped we, i feel like we i feel like we we cover a lot of a lot of material in a very limit in a in a limited 
time frame. So I think that's, I think, I think we do a good job of that. We do. We do. It's been a great podcast and I can't wait to upload it. Check us out on I, uh, I heart radio and uh, soon on Apple podcast. If it's not up already, I got to double check that. I might've already been up, but check us out. Also, so for those of you guys who are listening along on the playback, that's iHeartRadio. We're up on iHeartRadio and um, uh, Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast, yeah. Um, and if you want to participate in the live show and hang out in the chat, we are live here on YouTube. Uh, Beantown Breakdown is the channel. And then I90 Sports Talk, if you want to listen to a specific segment or clip of the show that is where you can find that it is clipped up edited and um my guy over there puts all that together so big thank you for that buddy much appreciated my guy uh thank you and and also i would say if you're if you're listening to the playback right now and you uh are a boston fan and for some reason you haven't already subscribed and hit the notification bell to being down breakdown you have some serious problems and you better be doing that you better join the members gang (laughs) Uh, because this guy right here is the best in the business when it comes to play-by-play. Thanks, uh, as always, my man, for having me on your channel and uh, for doing this podcast with me. It's always an absolute pleasure. Absolutely, guys. So once again, iHeartRadio and uh, Apple Podcast, and then the live show, if you want to come hang out with me and my guy for the live show and hang out in the chat, participate in the chat, and uh, we are we will we are live on YouTube. So Beantown Breakdown the channel. Thank you again, guys, for the continued support. Screw the Yankees, and we will see you guys. Bear down. Time. Bear down, JJ. Bear down. We're gonna eat the lions. Let's go. Go uh, Pats as well, and we will see you part. guys next time. Thanks again, and we out of here. Deuces.